And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Down the Garden Path. Tonight, we are talking about all about one of our favorite topics here, uh, landscape design with Matt McFarland of The Growing Season and The Growing Season podcast. And so let's start off by telling you a little bit more about Matt. I'm with, joined with two Matts tonight, so bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about, a bit about Matt. So um, Matt McFarland grew up in a landscape, in a, in a landscape household. And after 32 years in horticulture, he still gets excited about plants. Jack, Matt's father, ran Glen Echo Landscaping and Blue Jay Landscaping for 20 years, instilling in Matt a love of the outdoors and the elegance of working with rocks and plants. Matt attended Humber College's Landscape Technician Program. And upon graduating top of his class, Matt ventured out and took over the family business. Currently, Matt consults, designs, and installs many of his creations, of which uh, his services or design services are now being requested uh, from the international stage. Welcome to the show, Matt. This is fantastic. I feel uh, a little bit intimidated by having a voice as sultry as Matthew's. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. Yeah, no, it is great. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm... I'm just love your backstory and just how you came to the industry. Yeah, yeah. It was, listen, like my dad uh, didn't play catch with me. <laughs> he didn't. And and sort of how, how that applies. And if you've listened to the Growing Season radio show at all, you've heard me tell the story where most kids were playing catch with their dad or whatever it was. My dad was taking me out in the backyard and he owned a, we owned a large property because he, he, he ran a large landscape business out of it. And he was showing me how to work with, you know, three point elevations on, on rock. This is how you work with, with, you know, rock stone. part of my allowance. So I was 10 and maybe this wasn't the best of things to do, but part of my allowance on a weekly basis was, okay, Matt, you have to get up in the morning, fire up the skid steer. I need, uh, I, I need two and a half yards of topsoil in this dump truck. And then I need three, three yards of, you know, crusher run in this, in this dump truck. And that was part of my allowance growing up. I had to wow. have trucks ready. So yeah, it was just, it was the family business and still is the family business. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> horticulture's in the veins, you know? So. Excellent. Well, tell us about, so tell us about the company or the growing season. So your design and design and install. Yep. Yeah. So what happened was I, I got out of school ran the ran the family business for a number of years and then other things kind of pulled me away and then I began to miss it I began to miss specifically began to miss the construction and the blood and the sweat and the and the and the coming home exhausted beyond belief and so I was approached by um a radio station out of the Etobicoke area to do a horticultural radio show called The Growing Season. And the co-host that I was after was my father because him and I are, 
are like are like best friends and uh he taught me well he was my education before humber stepped in and um so so we began this thing and so as part of the as part of the the radio show we said okay well how about we offer a consult service so we'll so we'll do consult and we'll do landscape design i mean i had the drafting tables at home i have dynascape i have the whole thing sitting at home why not use it and so you get on the site and and, you, and you're consulting with the client and you've designed it. And then the next question that comes out of their mouth mm-hmm. is, do you build it? Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, ah, you know, I'm not really said I had sold my pickup trucks off. I had sold all the stuff off. And, but there was a small part of me that was like, you know what? I kind of miss this. And so mm-hmm. the concept at first was I want to do tiny gardens. So a little area that I can make a big impact. Well, that lasted for about one or two jobs. And then you start getting into the big, you know, the $60,000 stuff again. But so it's, what's nice about it is the radio show helps to sell me because, and so it's it's funny because, because Joanne and I were were having a a, a like one hour conversation prior to this over the phone, which was wonderful. And, you know, it's sort of like Matt, Matthew, you've taken someone out on a date before. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So, (laughs) So you know that like date one, this is all just about like, not selling yourself, but just do your best not to screw this up. Yeah? Right. Right. Okay. So date two is when you start to hopefully get in. There, there might be a kiss tonight. This is fantastic. <laughs> okay. It's wonderful. Right? So what I found is that radio makes it, takes date one and just basically toss mm. it out. So you're walking into the room and they already trust you. They've already listened to the show. They already know how you, how you interact. And there's no switch with me. I don't throw the radio switch on and, and, that's, and that's me on radio. I'm that guy. This is just, this is just how we are. So, so when you walk into someone's living room, I found that there's none of this first date. It's mm-hmm. just, so we've already gotten beyond that. Now we're into date number two and we can just get down to it. So it's really cool. And, and the nice part is that we've been around for so long. I've been involved in the industry for so long in, in, in many different forms that the name is out there enough that someone has recognized me like someone who knows someone who knows someone has said, yeah, they're, they're completely trustworthy as, as contractors. They always do great work. There's they, they sort of, so you have all of that out there, but radio has been an absolute wonderful wonderful business tool it's been fantastic oh that's great well and you are a natural at it so <laughs> well yes i'm a very good talker <laughs> <laughs> well that's what i often said that because people will ask um about blogging and and like all my friends i'm like no i went for the podcast because i'm a better talker than i am a writer <laughs> 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 and that and that tends to help too and again if you are a good talker generally you're probably a pretty good salesperson because and 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 like when I say sales, I'm not saying sales in slimy used carsman type stuff. What I'm saying is, like when you're trying to convince somebody that it's it's a good idea to spend seventy five thousand dollars on a on a landscape, mm-hmm. you better be able to be a good talker. And again, but talker honestly, right? So if you if you're not comfortable to talk with, there isn't that kind of a relationship there, right? Mm-hmm. So it just it just tends to make things tougher. That's all. Yeah, that's true. So it looks like we have a question already this early in the show. Uh-oh. Yeah, this early. Well, um, Paul has written in, hi, is this the Matt of sports fame as well? Hi, Matt and Joanne and Matt. Uh, love the show. Can't wait until we can grow. <laughs> uh, so sorry, do, do I answer this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. you go answer that. Go for, yeah. <laughs> so yes, this is all right. So what happened was, uh, 
outside of, or when I was on a job site, the one staple is I always had talk radio on. So what pulled me away was there was an opportunity to get involved with covering the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a sports guy as well. I love sport. I mean, I'm wearing a Maple Leafs jersey right now. I know, I know. And Gary's afraid because he's always telling me to stop talking sports. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have a sports show, but that's okay. That's a- <laughs> so basically what happened was, is I got involved with somebody that was a former beat reporter for the Toronto Blue Jays and he and Sportsnet had parted ways and he was given an 18 month severance with a no compete clause Mm. but he had all of these contacts within the major leagues as as well as within the NHL so we so we began a podcast that became exceedingly successful and I had to go to the crash course actually I took some I took I took some lessons with, with Jerry Howarth, the, uh, the, yeah. So I remember being in Jerry's presence. He said, okay, so, so the first thing to do is you have to eliminate all of your crutch words. You cannot say, um, uh, like, you know, and I remember the first like three months on radio and you think, oh man, I can't say, you know, I can't say, um, I can't say. So he said, but what you do is you speak in everyday life, like you speak on the radio and then you're not practicing. So Uh I became the sports guy. And got to interview Wendell Clark and all these Blue Jays, Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista, all this stuff. And yes, so the answer to that question is yes, this is the same Matt that was involved in all of the sports talk as well. Yes. There you go. That's very, very cool. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, but I about you're here to talk as much as we'll, we love. I love talking about sports. So we'll, yeah. <laughs> we should get back to horticulture. Absolutely. So one thing I love about everything that you do is just how passionate you are about the design part. Because I know you know there's landscapers and they're all about the work and the hard work and 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 the and the patios and all the hard labor and getting it done and still want a quality job. But sometimes they're, you know, spray painting things out or scratching on a napkin or laying, God forbid, laying a hose. <laughs> you know, I know we've heard of that. Right. But you you really want your clients and you do this with all your jobs, I believe. It's you start with a, a design. So I'd love to know your process. So. Back to sports briefly. I remember my father coming off of job sites. I, I mean, I, I remember the drive of 85 with with the blue jays and my dad would come in and he would he would still smell like work so it was diesel and it it was sweat and it was glorious it was a wonderful cacophony of scents and he had his drafting table in the living room and at the age of i believe seven or eight i had my own drafting table sitting beside my dad and so we'd have the blue jays on dave dave steve is pitching against the oakland athletics and here (laughs) he is and he is and he is designing all in pencil and you know stapler mm. pens and beautiful absolutely beautiful yeah. actually even That's to this awesome. day, yeah it's it's gorgeous and you know what's funny even to this day i use a, a big um wacom graphics tablet because just for me it's there's something about the feeling of the pen in in your hand that i just mm-hmm. cannot get away from so i remember watching it and i i would i would literally mimic what dad was doing so if dad was using his his t-square i would be grabbing mine so design for me became Think about it like this, right? So if you go to Ikea and they give you a set of cabinets and they don't include the directions, what happens? Yeah. It's a complete disaster, right? So yeah. 
So the design for me is it's a wonderful tool to be able to give the clients a glimpse into what this is going to look like, as well as I think in this is going to sound, maybe this is going to be elitist, but it also screams legitimacy to mm. me in that like if your client is going to spend X number of dollars on their landscape, if they've got this much budget you know, in their budget, they're going to want to see or have a bit of a window into exactly what this is going to look like, as well as uh, kudos to my wife, Kelly Jordan. Uh, she actually works for a large design firm, interior design firm in, in Toronto. And about five or six years ago, I was, you know, sketching a plan up for a, for a client and she walked by, she said, you know that you should be using a color scheme, right? I was like, what? And she's like, you know, a color scheme. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, so she goes to Pinterest and she grabs four or five little swatches. She says, okay, this. And then she began to teach me about complementary colors and, uh, all, and the whole color triad and this and that. So that to me was a complete, a complete revelation in that what I'll do now is I'll take shots of the customer's brick and we pull a color off of the brick and that begins to feed into the color scheme. So then what happens is your landscape design and your final product doesn't come up or doesn't turn out like a box of Skittles or a box of crayons. Mm -hmm. There's everything is tied into because like when you walk into a professionally designed room, you can see that like this has been this this has been coordinated everything down to the pillows or to the whatever now my mm -hmm. wife does all corporate and she works for td so everything is green <laughs> but, but but so that's 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 for me where it where it starts is that uh i'll get a, a i'll get a picture of the customer's brick and it's our consults generally go about two and a half hours it's it's an extensive conversation and we walk the site looking at the site for you know slope for drainage for whatever asking about pets allergies all this type mm -hmm. of stuff and then I go home and after they said, you know, I, I, I like pinks, I like purples, I don't like yellow. Okay, so, so now I know if their brick is gray and pinks and, and purples are in there, then I begin formulating a, a, a color scheme. And I'm not sure if it's the same for you guys, but for me, it generally happens where based on that color scheme, I will, I will have one little combination of, of plant material. So let's say it's a glow blue spruce, a Japanese blood grass, and um, a, 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 a Stelladoro daylily with a little piece of armor stone. Mm -hmm. That there is the thing that pops in my head. And from that, everything else flows. So I know now I, I have my little thumbprints here and there as far as shrubbery, but it generally is some manner of combination of shrubs and perennials. And from there, I just, I just, I just start to go. And that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's great. So I, I mean, I think I approach it from the, um, the seasonality of it. So I tend to think, okay, what's going to bloom, you know, early, like what's blooming early, what's blooming all season, what's blooming in the summer, what's blooming in the, you know, so I, I kind of have that same big picture, but, uh, so yeah, it's, I love talking and seeing how other people visualize things for sure. And, but people are picky about color. Like I'm a no yellow person and there's a lot of people that are no yellow and there's a lot of people that are no, um, no white, you know, that kind of thing. So color is important to people. Yeah, it is. And so what I find too is, especially when it comes to the yellow thing, cause I, man, I love, I love powder blue and yellow. It's just one of my things. I just, ah. I just love Okay, but so what I'll tell a customer is, listen, yes, we're not going to go crazy on the yellow, but there are little spots where, man, if you have this color, what you need is just a little dollop of yellow just to sort of bring that out. And if you can, if you can 
give them those those little areas and just say this is this is where yellow would look nice now if they're not into yellow i'm obviously not going to dial it up and get something crazy crazy yellow but maybe something a little bit in the more powder pastel range right but completely and that's that's a challenge like with backyards becoming smaller like your average backyard or even like your large backyard now is 40 by 40. how do you get or not how do you get but it's it's a real it tests the it tests the ability of a designer to get four seasons worth of interest in this little 40 by 40 foot space and let's be serious they're not putting flower beds and garden in the entire 40 by 40 foot space it's generally lining the perimeter right so you have to really be on your toes if you want to get four seasons worth of interest in this little area yeah yeah, you really do. I mean, and for me, it, it means, uh, you know, one has many things is they do two things, I often say, right? Like, Wigilia, burgundy Wigilias do, you know, they flower in June, but then they're, they're burgundy the rest of the year. So really, that's the only way to kind of really impact it, you know? And, and that's why we should, all of us should just ban burning bush. Get it out. <laughs> No yes. more burning bush. No right? more burning bush. Oh, no more burning bush. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. just... But then the poor rabbits that have that eat them every winter, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. But now then again, listen, <laughs> if if you've got four or five crimson queen Japanese maples on your site, maybe put up a couple burning bushes just as a diversion for the rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's worse than having your five hundred dollar Japanese maple ripped up by rabbits, man. Holy yeah. Oh, yeah. But but you really feel strongly that people, I love the Ikea analogy because really, um, and I think it shows how serious people are about their budget and what they want to achieve. If they don't, and you know what, well, we both run into it every day, people who don't want to pay for it. Like they might say they want a design, but do they, are they going to use some of their, you know, landscaping budget to pay for a design is another story, right? And to me, you know, the landscapers quick sketches, it just is a recipe for disaster. You come home from work, you know, when we did go to work and be like, well, that's not what I thought you said. <laughs> and that's not what I was expecting. You know, like I think just having that design and my little motto is, you know, great landscape start with a plan, you know, and, and sometimes the plan changes. I'm not saying it doesn't, right? We're going to hit things or discover things or change our mind, but it's the starting with it. I agree. Like you would not, if, if you were building a home, you would not build a home based on on sketches on a napkin or some toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing. Now, granted, I like where I'm landscaping, I'm not sure because you guys are in like the Pickering area, correct? The Durham area. Yeah. Okay. So, so to convince somebody to spend a thousand to $2,000 on a landscape design in this area is not, is not tough because. Okay. It just As seems, it is in the east, yeah. Yeah, it just seems to be the area here, okay? But if, in some ways to me, it's all about the intent to pay, okay? Like, look, if you're serious about this and you've hired a landscape designer, they're going to do up a plan for you and, and that plan is going to be like a 75% indication of what's going to happen on the site by the time the project's over and hopefully greater than 75%, mm-hmm. right? As well as, is it, you know, if, if you're farming it out to another installer, wouldn't you want that plan to be as accurate as humanly possible so that that installer, there's no, there's no questions being raised or there's nothing ambiguous. For instance, like I just finished up a, a landscape design for a couple in, in Scotland, Portobello, Scotland. 
Wow. And and I have another one coming up in 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 London. So for first of all, the the necessity to now change feet over to meters all the time drove me completely nuts. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right. But but whatever. That's okay. But, yeah. But but the point being is is that. I'm obviously not going to hop on a plane and go over and install this thing. Actually, it would be fun. If COVID wasn't around, I might actually have given that some, some thought, but, but so if you're sending your plan off to somebody, not only it's a different contractor doing it, it's in a different country. You want to make sure that that plan is as accurate as humanly possible, as well as, you know, I'm specking off of a local nursery or plant materials that they're able to get not even talking about zone here but just what is available in your area so mm -hmm. the more accurate that your plan is and the more information that you can provide with the contractor you're actually making it easier on the homeowner in the end because the chances of mistakes happening diminish right yep yeah yep. it really the, does absolutely so yeah completely oh good all right. Looks like we have some Matthew's got some questions for Matt. <laughs> yeah, a couple of questions are rolling in for Matt there. Uh, Steve's written in. Um, love, uh, love Joanne talking about sports. Let her rip, huh? Uh, but does Matt do pool design? And specifically, what about infinity pools? Thank you. Okay. Uh, do so. Are you asking if I like if I design? swimming pools like the shape and such yes uh now granted i don't i don't in, in, install them but but i work with a number of uh, of pool companies and that's a that's actually a fun relationship because what happens is you get to collaborate on the design which is which is great what seems to be in fashion these days is everybody wants the modern pool everybody wants the wants the rectangle now in the early 90s into the early millennium it was all the kidney bean stuff but right but lately it seems like everybody wants the the word that they're using is sleek i hear that word a lot right everybody really? wants yeah. Oh, it's it's a massive thing. In fact, one I'm I'm, I'm currently in the process of of designing one for um, a customer in in Oakville, and it's cool because you would go out on the property and you generally walk the fence lines, get get all of their fence lines set, and then you pass that information off to the pool guy, and then you and the pool guy begin to sort of determine, okay, where does the pool sit best? Now, on this property, for instance, they have a a lovely raised flagstone porch, and the flagstone porch is a very very rigid. Um, has very, very rigid 90 degree lines. So we're going to basically mirror the pool off of that. So it makes it really, really easy. But to answer, I'm sorry, what's his name, Steve? Yes. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. So yes, Steve, I do. Yes, I do design pools in that as far as the location and, and the decking and everything, and then everything all, you know, all the way around it. One of the things that I always tell clients is this, is let's say that you spend 65,000 bucks on your pool expect expect to spend that on your landscaping that's mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i tell my clients yeah. and sometimes they're i mean like their eyes bug out of their head but remember that if they're putting this outdoor bath in your backyard you have to make the walls look nice right otherwise mm. <laughs> right so yeah yeah you have to finish the room right you just can't put you know you have to finish the room <laughs> Absolutely. That's funny. So would you prefer, because I kind of tend to prefer kidney shaped and more natural freeform pools. Is that your like aesthetic pr preference? Okay. I'll tell you something. I used to. And then what I found is when I got back into this, I was determined to do like, remember on Seinfeld, they were talking about opposite world where like George would do like the opposite of whatever he used to. And yeah. that 
And that, so my thing has been whatever we used to do, I want to toss all of that out. So for me, I love the challenge of like, listen, I'm not a modern landscape guy, but I love rock gardens. I I love it. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to talk dolomite and (laughs) armor stone and granite boulder and, oh, I could do that for hours. But there's something about the challenge of like, okay, this isn't, this is not my usual. So I get to pull out a bunch of new tricks. So mm-hmm. it seems like all my pools this year are all what they call sleek. It's this modern, modern. rectangle, which is, which is fine. I, totally mm-hmm. fine. You just have to, you know, I, I guess it's just, it's, 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 it's getting to play in a brand new sandbox, right? Yes. Yeah. Is- you have to kind of think outside your own box. Cause yeah, I I'm actually dealing with that exact same thing with a rectangular pool that I just did the base plan today. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I so want to, cause yeah. it's a treed lot too. And I feel like, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of, cause it really, the I always tell my customers I could design what I love in this backyard, but it's your yard. So we need, you know, you know, you need to tell me what you want. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's, it's funny too. I always ask clients, uh, especially if it's a tree lot and they have a pool, uh, where are the prevailing winds coming from? Cause mm-hmm. nothing is, is worse than, than, than orienting that pool in the wrong spot. And it's covered in leaves. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's when you plant beach so that they hold under their leaves because they'll basically hold their leaves until the pool covers on. Right. Which That's is, right. Yeah, That's right. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and Matthew, another question. Oh, we did have another question. I just moved from it for here. Uh, Jody is written in. Hello, where is Matt located? And uh, what is his service area? So how far is Matt going? Uh, <laughs> so Matt, <What>? is, <laughs> yes. So, so Matt is in the Bolton Caledon area. Uh, I generally service the GTA. I'm not down in, in Toronto too much. This summer seems to be the summer of Oakville. I don't know why. Okay. Oakville is probably as far as my reach would go on the on the west end um jody where are you located how's how like how's that so uh, i try not to get down into toronto too much and for a reason that 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 some wouldn't realize landscaping doing construction in toronto is a nightmare Mm -hmm. it is a complete nightmare Everything from where do you where do you park the truck to back the skid steer off? Where do you put the garbage bin? Where do you? It just becomes a complete nightmare. So I find that getting into Mississauga, getting into Etobicoke, north of the city, even into the West End, like Oakville's great because it's it's all larger homes and they got huge driveways. You just plop mm-hmm. it in there and 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 the whole thing. But so I, I so I try not to. Um, I do a lot of design in in Toronto, but not necessarily as much install. Okay. So that's a good question. So you do do design only yep. when you have time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like the goal I think eventually would be to pick 15 to 20 projects a year that I, that I'm really excited about to do the actual construction mm. and, and, and then leave the rest on the design end. Right. But the other thing too, is, as I was making mention, there's some, there's some irons in the fire that if everything, if, if, if all switches engage it would be it would make it things could get even more complicated right so yeah I I'm one of those guys I always tend to have an, a number of things on the on the on the stove on simmer and um when one of them engages it just sort of that that leads you down this path or that leads you down mm-hmm. that path. so yeah it's uh yeah 
Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. I like being busy. How's that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You said, but did you say you sleep like three or four hours a day or something? They saw that you, yeah. yeah Which, I, although I was thinking today, cause I feel like I'm, you know, it's that time of the season where the overwhelm is starting. And I thought, I thought, well, I guess if I'm going to work seven days a week, it's okay because I can't go, I can't do anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah. And it's, is it just me or is it beginning earlier this year? I, I don't know. But I, I think so. Well, I think the weather this week, you know, and we know it, we all know it's going to get cold again, right? They give us, nature gives us a little, little peak and the phones ring off the hook and then we'll get snow and it slows back down again. So it's the cycle. Yeah. I always say that it takes two nice days in a row for the phone to start to ring and it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. never fails season after season. It kind of starts. And whether that's in March, whether that's in April, oh my goodness, if it's in May, you know, it, that, that <laughs> tends to be the, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I know we can't wait till May. Right. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. But, but it's, it's funny by the time July hits, usually things begin to calm down a little bit, but yeah. it's those, it's those, it's the April, May, June, where it's just like, holy yeah this yeah. is crazy yeah right? definitely definitely Absolutely. so go ahead matthew i should say just as we reach the end it kind of seems like a great spot to jump in here i'm just going to uh, say thank you everyone for uh, joining us down the garden path here on reality radio 101 joan and i enjoy hosting down the garden path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden we learn right along with you from our research and from, from the wonderful guests like Matt here that join us on the show. Don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content or new content. Like, share, condiments. And condiments. <laughs> we'll throw in the ketchup. <laughs> Dijon down the garden path. <laughs> Leave us a comment. Uh, and don't forget, you can always find Joanne at down to the number two earth.ca and myself at naturalaffinity.ca with all of our social media links. Oh, that's funny. And it's funny because it sounds like you're wrapping up, but that is our midway kind of, you know, let everybody know. <laughs> Give Matt a second. Yeah, have some yeah. water. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So well, that's good. Um, so tell us more about designs. Like what is your, your front yard, backyards? Do you have some passion like some things that you just are you know are moving towards because I know like you said trends change right so have you found yourself this year and these designs doing something a little bit differently I, I mean modern you're saying modern pools what about modern front yards or are you still kind of gravitating towards the natural rock landscapes yeah like so one of the things that I that I um have found is Natural stone has definitely not died down. That's a, that's a big thing. But people want it installed in a little bit more of a formal setting. So, mm. for instance, where we used to go with a bit more of the cubic, you know, cubular or odd shaped rock, the clients are now gravitating a little bit more towards stuff that's a bit more angular, stuff that, you know, like stuff that would be guillotined. Like I can't tell you the the tonnage of guillotined armor that is going to be going in on sites. It's oh it's insane like it's just absolutely insane and okay here so while we're on this topic and you guys would know too okay and what i find is 2020 especially but and maybe now 2021 is all about what and, I, and again i'm, I'm going to use the the like uh, air quotes here like the chris farley air quotes um but to me it, there's a bit of some laziness happening as far as design 
a lot of these landscapes that I walk on sites, it's it's all this it's the same seven or eight plants, mm-hmm. and they are usually boxwood. So customers spending like forty four bucks per every green gem boxwood, okay, and it's 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 always the same. It feels to me like people are scared of color, mm-hmm. and that's that to me is is shocking. In that twenty years ago, you would look around and the landscapes looked vastly different. But there was a lot more color. And I find that with us, we clientele are shocked when, when we say, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, like we're going to get frisky with the plant material. I'm going to get into some stuff that is, that is not normal. And when they see it installed and they're like, this looks like nothing on the street. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a real shame in that, like, guys, we're living in an era here where they have hybridized a Colorado blue spruce. They have a baby blue eyes, blue spruce. This thing grows 13 feet tall and five feet at the base. For God's sakes, you can actually have a blue spruce on your property and not have it be completely out of scale. And yet people are afraid to get into some of the real frisky stuff. Like I Mm -hmm. love the fact, like I can't tell you how overjoyed I was to see a lavender twist red bud. Right. Mm, Yes. Right. This is not your typical Circus that is that is, you know, cauliflora. So it's got the sorry, um, high straconical where where it has the flowers on the on the trunk or, you know, on the old wood. This is a this is like a a, this is a specimen plant. This is this is like an updated version of your Circus. I I love that stuff. And Mm. why not get frisky with it? Why not? Why not go out and get some of these more? Uh, hybridized boutique bespoke varieties. I love it. I absolutely Mm -hmm. adore the fact that there's these guys out there. There's these Walter White level scientists (laughs) that are in their garages hybridizing things. And it's like, right? They just, to me, why not take advantage of it? Yes. And that is one of the challenges I think with doing the virtual designs, because I think that when you're on site and looking at the the your client's home you're also they don't realize we're also looking at what do their neighbors have what you know what's going on kind of thing so that is the one little tweak that's a little bit trickier because you don't want although as since we're designers we're doubtful that we're going to do exactly what they have next door anyway but it's always good to know to get your ears you know your idea kind of thing right yep Uh, (laughs) totally agree Matt, yeah. is that finger for a for a question? Is is is, is, is yeah, is, one question. That's his one yeah. question. Not That's like my, be quiet. Just, like, like, I'm like, what are you pointing at? What's what's wrong? I know. <laughs> Something I was stealing here. What's going on? Yeah. No, we've got a really good question for us here. This one. So go ahead. Yeah. Did you want to take it? Sure. Um, this is from John. He says, "Hello, I live in the GTA. My question for all of you: Are you just landscape designers?" Or are you also builders of the design? Is it better to use a designer that has a crew to work or just a designer who subs out work? That is always a concern. Thanks. Great question, John. Love yes. it. Thank you, John. Yeah. So we both have different businesses. So why don't you tell you explain your side, how you do it, Matt? How do I do this without seeming like I'm putting anybody down? <laughs> just how you do it. You're not putting yeah. anything. I don't think there's a right. Well, yeah, there's a wrong way. But yeah. <laughs> okay. So. So John, great, great question. Um, actually, my my uh, my middle name is John, so you know there, there it is. Uh, so, from the perspective of the homeowner, I can see exactly where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so the number one question that I get from clients is when you present the design and they've, and you've now dealt with price. So you've got that uncomfortable little elephant out of the room. The number one question out of their mouth is, okay, so do you build it? And when the answer is yes, then the next question always is, are you on site? Mm-hmm. Because what happens is like, as the owner of the company, I, I, I worked for people where they would drop the, they would drop the employees off on the site. They would take the chain out and spray paint the lines in the bed, dig here, dig here, dig here, and, and they would leave. And if you're a homeowner and you're investing a lot of money into your landscape, there's a certain confidence in having the designer, AKA the, the owner of the company on site. So for me, and this is simply, this is, this is my choice. And I think a lot of it is based on the influence of my father is my dad's advice was always to be, if you own the company and you did the design, you have to be on site. And there's, okay, so for instance, a couple other little interesting rules. I never show up, oh, sorry, so, okay, Jack's rules, number one, never show up to a customer's site with a brand new pickup, Uh okay, because the customer is thinking, this guy's adding $5,000 onto my job to help make the payments. Um, okay. That's, that is number one. Number two, you never show up on a customer's site, not wearing work boots. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it shows the customer, this guy is on site. Okay. Number three, you never show up on the, on the customer's site wearing any sort of dress pants. It, it should always look like you didn't just come from the job site, but you would be prepared to work if the need arose. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that tends to bring down, there is a certain level of, again, I talked about first date, right? Where if you look like you're a landscaper, the customer begins to trust that you can do the job. So Mm -hmm. automatically what you're wearing, how you're carrying yourself, right? Please God, take notes. If you're a contractor, take notes, please like write stuff down. (laughs) Okay. Right. And it's funny. I still go old school. I got the little Hillroy spiral notebook just because that's what I've been. I had an iPhone. I can do it in my iPhone, but just, I just, I just make Again, there's something about the pen in the hand. So to answer John's question, um, I, I'm passionate about being on the site. Now there are some guys that like, I guess my question is if you're not passionate about being on the site as the owner of a landscape company, why are you the owner of a landscape construction mm. company? I don't yeah. really understand about that, but, yeah. but I've also done it too, where I am strictly the designer and, and as, and, and now if you guys are just, are just on the design end of things, you would be dealing with the, with the client too, because now you're becoming the voice of the client in the presence of the contractor. Right? That's right. So that would be me. So, and, and to answer John's question, so I am design only, um, but I work for the client. So, and I, and I don't sub out, so I don't do, you know, the insurance aspect of that is a whole other show. So I will connect uh, a, a client with my design with one of my preferred contractors. I, it's a bit of matchmaking, right? You know, the skill set, you know, the timing, I'll find the right contractor for the job. Um, and if the homeowner chooses that contractor, then the agreement is still between the contractor and the homeowner, but it's still my design and the, the design the client paid me for. So I'm still involved. And, you know, because and especially when it's my contractor, it really becomes a great uh, arrangement because I'm there to advocate for the contractor because sometimes things change and, and somebody's got to explain why and 
and all of that to the client. And, and sometimes I need to advocate for the client to the contractor. I'm like, nope, the budget is this. And now we got to make it work with that budget. So I kind of play that role and it's not for everybody. You're right. I wish I, cause I say I, I do the design, but I don't do the heavy lifting. Had I started the career earlier in my years, maybe I would have gotten into doing some of that construction, but I didn't. I waited till after kids and that's it, you know, yeah. my back and working all the years working at the nursery actually too, did my back end. So I, I but I'm there to place plants. I'm there to get uh, samples for the stone samples. I, I do as much as I can to make the client's life easier as well as the landscapers. Like I really feel like that's a d the designer's role is to really make those little details um, happen to keep everybody happy and everybody on the same page. So that's how I do it. I'm, I'm sure there's some designers out there. I don't know there's that many that do this, that will sub the whole job out just because the insurance these days for us is steep, so. Yeah, I just got my uh, I just got my my uh, business insurance for the year, and I was like, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> yucky. Yeah. yeah. So, and Matt, you're the same, right? You would you do designs, and you Matthew, you do designs. Yeah. Um, and you're design only. Exactly, I'm design only, and my mindset is much the same as yours. Is primarily of designs. I like to be on site, facilitate communication, place plants, be there, consult. Uh, do a little bit of the pruning or other little finer jobs that maybe a crew doesn't, but yes. So, and I'm much younger than my, my business is much younger than yours and, and Matt's. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but no, that was a great question, John. So thank yes. you. And, and I think it, I think it just comes down to trust. I think finding somebody, whether they're a landscape design build or whether they're just a landscape only, you need to have somebody that you, um, that you trust, that you really connect with. Yeah. And that's, listen, that's the number one thing. And this is when it comes to any contractor, like it's all about vibe, mm -hmm. right? You, you should be able to trust your instincts, right? Like trust your instincts. Now G Google has made it great because you can see some, see some Google reviews, but if this person's look, if you don't have a website, there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. okay? uh, if you don't have customers that will vouch for your work, there's something wrong. If there's not photographs of your work, whether it be design or whether it be design install, whatever it is, if there aren't photographs of your work on your site, there's something wrong. Like this is, this is 2021. So, so it, as the homeowner, if you're not, if you're getting weird vibes off of this person, if this person's not prompt in returning your emails and or phone calls. And I always say too, the, the, the strength of a contractor is not in the good times. The strength of the contractor is is working through situations that are a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been on jobs where things have not gone exactly according to plan. And that's where you need to be as the contractor. That's where, that's where you need to be honest. Like, you know what, this is, this is, this is my fault or this was unforeseen or whatever. The number one thing that a homeowner should be expecting from a contractor is if you're not getting genuine off of that contractor, if this person's not coming in and appears to be genuine, I don't get involved, mm -hmm. right? And and I love, I absolutely love three words put in a certain order. And those three words are, I don't know. Mm. I love, I don't know. Because when a client says to you, hey, what about this? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. 
That to me is the ultimate sign of trust. It's not the, I'm walking around like a peacock with my chest puffed out. Mm -hmm. I know everything. I would rather be dealing with somebody that's, listen, I'm an expert in this, but I don't know this, but I want to know. So I'm Mm going to find out. So even on the growing season radio show, like there's, we get, we get questions. We have a bunch of listeners in, in, um, in, in uh, NYU's plant sciences department and they'll send us questions and it's just like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But so we have to find out. So Mm -hmm. I, so I love that, especially if you can get to that level as the contractor, if you can get to that level of honesty with your client and be like, I don't know, I'm going to have to find out that just makes it so much easier. My wife always said the thing that she finds attractive about males is vulnerability and honesty. And uh, I, and I, and I think that that works the same when it comes to a client contractor relationship, just be honest, just be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Like, talk about your feelings, Joanne. Talk about <laughs> your feelings. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, that's great. That is great. We have another really good question. We've got some really good questions for you today. So I'm so excited to have this, this design talk. Um, so Ken is written and he says, hi. Do landscape designs usually require a lot of maintenance? I'm not talking about long cutting, etc. But do rock and brick things, brick things, uh, and lighting, etc., usually mean a lot to take care of? So I'd love to answer this one, but you go for it. <laughs> okay, uh, great, great question, Ken. The number one uh, comment that I get from clients on sites is, "I'd like something to be as low maintenance as possible." To which I jokingly always reply, "Listen, we're going to get the asphalt in here, and then we're going to spray paint it green, and there's your low maintenance." And then we all giggle like crazy. Okay, so. It all depends on your designer, okay? So listen, one of the questions that, that you should be hearing from, a, from, like, like from your designer on site is, are you, like, are you gonna be out here gardening? What's your experience level when it comes to gardening? And if the answer is no, then you probably as the designer don't want to get involved in things that absolutely have to be pruned at a certain time. Or if you're dealing with hydrangeas, because nobody knows when to prune those suckers, right? Mm-hmm. Start getting into the stuff that is that, that are the rebloomers. As far as rock goes, if you're dealing with natural stone, that takes no maintenance whatsoever, with the exception of if you've got natural stone that is near a walkway and such, and you're salting your walkway down, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. As well as if you are dealing with concrete landscape pavers, so whether it be Unilock, shout out to Unilock because they're awesome, um, and or you know any sort of manner of manner of landscape concrete prefab pavers, you don't want to be using rock salt on that. They have they have ammonia nitrate or they have calcium chloride that is used on those surfaces that will not uh, like create a situation where that concrete is now spalling or chipping off. So. Mm-hmm. As far as the plant materials goes, that's something to make sure that, you know, with, with your designer, listen, I'm not going to be out here much. I don't want to necessarily have something that, that I absolutely must prune at this time. And then the designer will, 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 will take it away. I guarantee you, if that's the case, roses are not making their way onto your site. Yeah. Because sure. those, are, those are a specific, they need a specific care. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then on the natural stuff or on the, on the hardscape stuff, general rule, just don't use rock salt ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever. Yeah. yeah, that's a good advice. And I'll add one thing to the 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 design of the gardens is uh, the one thing uh, I think a designer added to it is the designer is going to make sure the garden beds, it's the right plant for the right spot. And, and yeah. so uh, something I often see is, you know, contractors that leave 
or homeowners that have, you know, they don't want the, because of the low maintenance thing, they think it's the smaller bed, the better. And so they only want it to be three feet deep. But, you know, as designers, we know how plants will grow. And really the maintenance is keeping, you know, the maintenance is trying to keep that big plant, those lilacs in that three foot garden. It doesn't, it's not going to be three feet, right? Remember the what? box, you know, the big, the big boxwoods, there's two different kinds of boxwoods, right? So if you don't get the dwarf ones, the green gems that stay small and you get the bigger ones, but you only have a green gem space, then you're constantly pruning. So I think that's the one thing that a designer, a landscape designer will know is, is how to create the beds to be low maintenance because we're putting the right plant and we're leaving room, you know, so your first, when we first install it, you might be like, well, that's all the plants. You know, there's too, so much space in there. Well, what do they say? The first year they sleep, the second year they creep, the third year they leap, right? So we are going to, we are going to manage that. It's almost like space managing, right? We're going to yeah. manage that space so that there's room for those plants to grow. So you're not constantly having to go and prune them and cut them back and keep them under control and stake them. So that is part of the maintenance. And I think that's when you're dealing with a professional who knows their skill of landscape, but also knows the plant material, then it's the right plant for the right spot and the right amount of maintenance based on what you uh, do, which, you know, what the homeowner wants to do. So I think that's something, you know, all garden beds aren't created equal. So I think, uh, you know, that's, my side of it as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, okay. And, and, and one more thing to add is I was, I was walking a site on Sunday and a client said to me, cause I was, I was quoting on the backyard and they had recently had the front yard done and just, you know, I was just, I was just walking the site and I was asking, okay, so is there anything that you'd like about the front yard that we can carry into the back? And he said, Oh, I like this, this is okay, perfect. So as I'm walking, I notice the the curve that that the designer has done on their front flower bed is really extreme i'm mm. talking majorly deep curve and i asked the client i said hey in that spot of the flower bed over there do you get a lot of weeds he said yeah how did you know that i said well because when you bring your lawnmower around and it comes around the curve the discharge would be blowing the grass into your flower bed and he's like yeah it's exactly what it does. So even something as simple as down to your landscape designer, hopefully, is going to know, okay, I'm not going to put an extreme curve here because I know this is going to help the client to cut the grass easier. This is going to help to keep discharge, grass discharge out of the beds. Okay, so just simple little tricks like that where, where it's going to make your life easier being out on your property. That's where this landscape design really helps too, because it's that landscape designer is, is in some ways influencing how you're going to be interacting with your backyard or with your front yard, even something as simple as pruning or, 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 or trimming. Like again, how many, how many times do you see lawn maintenance companies where mm. the guys are blowing, blowing the grass shavings into your beds and you're like, guys, turn the discharge the other way. Like turn it the why are you blowing like yeah just stuff like that to just you shake your head you're like this is brand new landscape and you're and you're blowing grass shavings in in, in my yeah. flower beds yeah oh my goodness yes yes well time is flying by so we can't end the show without you telling us a little bit about your radio show and podcast we'd love to hear about that and what day it airs and how listeners can tune in 
Awesome. That's fantastic. Yes. So it's, so it's, it's called the growing season. Everything to do with the McFarlands in, uh, in horticulture these days is, is under the growing season umbrella. Uh, it's on News Talk Saga 960 AM Saturday mornings at 10 AM with a replay Sunday at 2 PM and another replay Friday at 2 PM, but everything's podcasted. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on podcast. Everything is there. And as well as we also do a streamed show right now, it's every second Wednesday of the month for our off-season programming. And then coming probably in April, we're going to go, go to once a month. The issue being is I have, I am blessed with having two retired parents that mm-hmm. absolutely love to do research. So what happens is mm-hmm. my father on our 54 minute show that, you know, that, that, that like accounts for commercials and such, he does enough research for about seven hours. Okay. <laughs> right. And so what happens is we found that there was this, there was this flow over, or we couldn't get to the topics to the depth that we'd like. So we, so we created this thing called the landline, which is the sister program of the growing season. And it's all live to stream. It's all, it's all on, it's, it's on a bunch of Facebook gardening groups. It's on YouTube. It's on Twitter. But again, if you click on growingseasoncanada.com, just, just click on TGS live and all the back libraries there. And what it is, is, is it's the accompaniment to the, to the growing season radio show. We get to go into topics a little deeper. It's by no means a retread of what we've talked about on the radio show it's more of an expansion and it's nice because we get the opportunity to sort of flesh topics out which is which is cool like like when you've got a 54 minute radio show like you guys would know here right yeah probably days where you're like i can't get to anything because it's questions or it's or it's whatever so this way it sort of lets us expand as as well as it's a vehicle for my father to be able to spend the entire week thinking, reading, and researching about, about horticulture. So yeah. And so it's nice. I get to sort of feed into my dad's drug habit. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew so do you rent him out at all? Matthew dressing and I could probably use a researcher once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, he's, uh, I tend to keep him pretty busy. How's that? (laughs) No, it's, it's just been wonderful. My dad ran a landscape business for 20 years uh, and health issues that were out of his control uh, basically forced him to push pause on this. But my father is, he is, he lives and breathes and everything about him is about landscaping and about horticulture. And Mm -hmm. actually five years before I went to Humber, my dad went back to school for just a refresher course. And so when I get to school, this is five years later, I had all the same teachers as my dad had. So of course I say my, my last name is McFarland. And I remember Paul Peach, my, my, um, my plant ID teacher saying, wait a second, was your dad Jack? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that guy scared the heck out of me. (laughs) Just, yeah, he's just one of these guys. My dad, and here's the bragging son. He is a brilliant, brilliant mind. Like I, some of the things that we do on the construction sites, like even other companies now, my dad was on the forefront of that years ago. Mm. Like just really, really, really brilliant when it comes to horticulture. And um, yes, actually, because you guys both work at Sheridan or or, or have worked at, at Sheridan, correct? Yes. Okay, so so my dad uh, worked alongside Yuli from Sheridan as well as Joe Balo from from Albion Nurseries. Both of those guys were on the cutting edge of creating all the molding understocks for 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 all of our fruit trees here mm-hmm. in southern Ontario. You're talking plant scientists, like yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable. So yeah, it's it's great. It's a the the growing season. It's a, it's a super fun 54 minutes. We tend to get a little bit racy. I, I I tend to get calls from the CRTC being like. 
Getting a little close here, guys. <laughs> oh, goodness. goodness. I love the sound effects. I've listened to the show and I love your, I was like, at first I'm like, what is that noise coming from? And then I realized it's you. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, so part of the modus operandi for it was I didn't, I wanted it to be the absolute opposite of every gardening show that you've ever heard. So there's jazz music playing in the background. There's little sound effects going on. We have something called the Latin alert. So the instant somebody says anything in Latin, it just, there's just like alarm that goes off. Uh, it's okay. very, very up tempo. It's very, very high energy. It's kind of how I am, but on, but, but on radio. That's oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. We're t- well, and you, you know, their 54 minutes has just flown by because it's been so much fun being here with you. Um, so Matt, you, we want to thank everybody for, you know, because we're wrapping up oh. the show, but we do want to we, we make sure we'll, we will put in the show notes how you can find Matt McFarland and learn more about uh, the growing season. Um, Matthew and I are busy. Uh, Matt's still wrapping up teaching at Durham College. Right, mid-season. Yep. Still lots of stuff to cover and lots of excited students waiting to enter the industry. That's, so that's great. Awesome. Lots that's of time. Great. Yeah, and yeah. my phone is definitely ringing. I got some designs on the board. Wonderful. So it is, uh, it's an exciting time of year for sure. Um, and it's just so keen to see everybody really wanting to put a lot of um, effort now into their homes because we've been home for a year and uh, really how everybody has uh, changed their focus. I think that's a, a wonderful thing. And I, and I hope it, hope it, I don't think it'll stay at this speed, but I think it'll stay, uh, you know, people will really appreciate uh, what they invested in their homes. So I think that's great. And for our listeners, you thank you so much for your questions. Um, you can always find us. Uh, you'll find this show later on on our podcast. So please uh, take a look at Down the Garden Path podcast on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can find me at my website and all my social media links at downtoearth.ca with the number two. And you can find Matthew Dressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can find me at uh, naturalaffinity.ca with all That's my great. social media links is there as well. That's right. And you can sign off, Matt McFarland. Where are they going to find you? Yep. <laughs> GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on anything on there. <laughs> Contact, <laughs> there podcast, whatever you go. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, that's great. And do we have any more questions? Oh, we think we had Hannah had a shout out to you as well. I don't know, Matt. Did you see that? Uh, I believe we did. If I was bringing as we wrap up the show. And we thank it. We, if we didn't get to your question, we'll, we'll follow up. But I think we got to most... Um, I think Hannah's was just a comment. Yeah, it says Matt has incredible shows on the air. I've seen some of the photographs of his work. They are stunning. Keep up the great work from oh Hannah. Oh, Hannah. Hannah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Dad's, great. Dad's got a drink for his son. Thank you, sir. Uh, well, and this has been great. I know I told you about how we're doing the, the month of March is our landscaping and hardscaping month. So it's been great to be able to do a deeper dive and to get your perspective has been really valuable. So I hope our listeners, I'm sure they have really enjoyed it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I look forward to listening to your podcast. Good luck getting it through the season. I know Matt and I are, you know, it's, it's a juggle, right? It's one thing doing it a gardening podcast in January. It's another thing to do it through March, April, and May. Oh, yes. There's so many nights where you like, literally, I haven't showered. I'm just coming <laughs> off the Like, you're just like, all right, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Well, guys, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Honestly, fantastic. You guys are doing a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks, Matt, and thanks for joining us here on the show. And thanks, everybody else, um, for tuning in this evening. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next Monday evening here down the garden path on uh, Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.